Hi, I'm Jennifer Mulholland. And I'm Jeff Shuck. We're the co-leaders of Plenty. Thanks for joining our podcast, Plenty for Everyone. Each episode, we talk with conscious leaders like you to explore abundance in work and life, fulfillment in head and heart, and ways we can all work together to make this world a better place. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Thanks for joining our podcast, Plenty for Everyone. I am Jeff Shuck, and with me, as always, is Jennifer Mulholland, and we are the principals of Plenty. And Hi, we're really, we're really glad that you're joining us. Jen is in Park City, Utah, which I think you were just saying is like 80 and sunny. Yes? Yes, it is. Spectacular Memorial Day weekend ahead. I'm so excited. And I'm in Michigan City, Michigan City, Indiana, which I feel like I say this every time we're recording a podcast. It's really crummy out. I mean, it's a beautiful place, but it's like every time we're recording, it's really crappy out. It's totally <laughs> crappy today. It so, is a really beautiful place where you live. Lake Town, gorgeous foliage, gorgeous trees. Well, we're glad that you're joining us. And Jen, we have a great conversation today with one of our all-time favorite people. Tell us who's on the episode today. We do. We have David Berry, who is such a longtime friend of ours. Angel Escort, we would call him too. He was very instrumental in reuniting Jeff and I at an executive leadership retreat that we had here in Park City almost six years ago. Wow. Actually, six years ago, um, yeah. which is just incredible. But um, Jeff and David and I go way back to early campus pipeline days in 1999. <laughs> where Ooh, we came together like to ago. revolutionize higher education together and create the digital campus. And Jeff, David, and I worked really closely together in training others and, and doing you know different work, but similar work in how we were coaching um, educators and staff and people to adopt a new technology that would help unite their students, faculty, and staff to create what is now the .edu. We're just so dating ourselves. It's hilarious. But um, we kind of had a little bit of a three musketeer thing going with our focal point training and uh, oh the gosh. way that we were You're <laughs> really going. To- yeah, able to recruit and, and coach and support um, wonderful people um, back in the day. So we're so grateful to have him on as our paths have continued to meander. And you have a deeper story too, a more personal story yeah. that you and David go way back as friends and it was fraternity brothers. So tell yeah. us about that. Well, we're, there's there's so many story threads here and that's why we're excited to to bring um, this episode to you. Yeah, David was the celebrant at my wedding um, and I was David's best man. So, you know, when we talk about being close friends and having, you know, really close friends of plenty, David Barry is at the top of that list. And we're gonna explore a lot of that. One thing I'd say is there's a reason of, there's lots of reasons that Jen and David and I are really closely connected and we've been in these places together. But we're in the same emotional and mental place a lot. Our work is very, very similar. The way we look at life is very similar. And you're going to hear that today. So David, these days, is the vice president of people and culture at 
Municipal, which is a startup in the sportswear category, super cool company. And through that, he hosts a podcast um, called Becoming Better Men. And it's part of his journey is, we would say to develop conscious leaders, he would describe it a little bit differently, but it's one thing we're going to talk about on the episode is, you know, how do we, how, how do we want to be and how do we want to act in the world? So you're going to hear um, kindred spirits, I think, talking about subjects that are, are really important to us. And let me also add, if anyone listening was actually at a focal point training <laughs> and you email us a picture of you at the training, we'll give you 50% off our next class of Lantern. How about that? Yes, I love it. <laughs> Calling Ivy Tech and all the other colleges out there. Upstate. Yeah. <laughs> Western state. Um, Appalachian state. Remember, yep. yeah, we could go down that road. But there could be some inside jokes like that on this episode, people. So forgive us in advance for that. We'll try to keep it at a minimum. But what you will um what we really hope that you connect with is how thoughtful David is, how considerate, how smart and how emotionally intelligent he is. And I think speaking to that, Jeff, just that common interest of the, that level of human connection, that level of human potential that David weaves in his work, and certainly we aim to do so as well, is where we'll spend some time exploring. So we hope you enjoy this conversation. We're thrilled to have a dear friend and um, fellow colleague on with us that has so much fun history to unpack and explore. So tune in and we can't wait to hear what you think. Hey everyone, we wanted to take a quick break from the episode and just tell you a little bit about our October class of Lantern, which is now open for registration. It's going to be October 19th to 22nd. 2021 in Park City, our 12th session of Lantern, and it's filling up quick. And we hope um, you're going to be one of the people who comes. So we wanted to just take a break and tell you a tiny bit about it. It's an amazing time out to really look at yourself, look at who you are and who you want to be in this next reinvention chapter of your life. It's a three and a half day, almost all inclusive hotel and Travel is not included, but everything else is in beautiful mountains of Park City. As Jeff just mentioned, we've built out our retreat center called Heart Space to help conscious leaders like yourselves unplug and really connect in, connect with what matters to you most now, connect, help you connect to who you really are and who you want to be authentically, like what, what you stand for, what's emerging in you, what's calling you to your next expression or next chapter in work and in life. And we have been really fortunate to attract executive leaders from all over the world that make it so vital and meaningful and really juicy over those several days that hopefully you'll leave connected to them for life. So we do have a few seats left and we would love to meet you in person and welcome you to Park City for a transformative leadership retreat. We know it'll probably be one of the most meaningful investments you've ever made for yourself. Yeah. And just to maybe spend 
two more seconds talking about who it's for. If you go to our website at plentyconsulting.com slash lantern, you'll see a whole set of information and pictures about the experience, but you'll see there's a section on there where we say, is lantern right for me? Question mark. And then we answer it with one word. Yes. And we're not just being cheeky. We have had CEOs. We have had independent artists. We've had retirees. We've had people who've just graduated from college. We literally have had every career, every walk of life. And what unites the people who come is a desire to go deeper into who they really are and a desire to perform at the best, to feel as fulfilled as possible, and to do it in an environment, to do that exploration in an environment of people who are supportive and engaging and fun. So wherever you are, if you've stayed long enough to listen to this ad, we know it's because you're interested in coming. We know you'd get a lot out of it. So check it out, plentyconsulting.com slash lantern. We'd love to see you in Park City in October. Yes, sign up. We can't wait to meet you. We'll see you there. Well, David Barry, let me say this. We recorded an intro a few minutes ago and we talked in the intro about how we've known you for so long and we have tons of things to talk about. And here we've been on the line for two minutes and luckily Jen had the foresight to tell Sierra to just start recording because you've already dropped like three incredible topics we need to talk about. So to the audience, welcome. I'm not sure when we're going to pick up the, we may just, <laughs> you may already be listening to this, but this is the kind of person David Barry is, is we all get on the phone and within 10 seconds, we're talking about how wonderful it is to know people who knew you when you were young. So I'm just going to use that as the intro to this conversation. Well, well, you but see, but you get the credit in this because you said you have an hour. <laughs> I'll take it. In the 15 minutes, no, this is your setup. It's good. So what I've been thinking about over the last week or two is in the first 15 minutes, we're going to set the context. So where are you? What's real for you? And I really wanted to be true to that question. I didn't want to come into this with my pitch about leadership and development and self-awareness and all the things that I love and are and are real and authentic, but I wanted to be I wanted to be here with you because if I can do that with anyone, it's you guys. And so I'm not going to waste an hour. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to pretend to be make it about something that's not the thing. So let's talk about what's really happening, and that's what's real for me right now. And this is why we love David Barry. I'm just going <laughs> to say it again. Welcome oh, to the I've podcast. Missed you so I've missed you. So. <laughs> oh, I love yeah. this. I love that you do this, and I love how you do it. And I'm grateful to be uh, to be a part of it. So thanks for thanks for including me. You you know, in the intro, Jen was talking about a little bit about our history and how we long we've known each other. And there's that wonderful verse by the writer from the Tribune, who I always forget, but you know, keep in touch with people you were friends with in your youth, because the older you get, the more important it is to have people in your life who remember you when you were young. And, and that, you know, to look at you and know, we have literally known each other for 30 years. Yeah. It's such a gift, right? It's such a gift to have people in your life that remember you when you were younger and stupid instead of older and stupid in my case. 
So the list of the list of lessons learned of the past year and a half is long, and I'm like not even close to the first or fifteen thousandth person to say it. But one of those has been just back to basics, and I think basics is who are the people, who are the people who I know that's. I, I, Jeff, I shared this with you around the origin of the of the podcast I started doing is is as meaningful as the focus of it is to me. It just gave me license to reach out to people, and it was so funny. Like, why did I need a construct in order to say, "Hey, let's have a conversation and talk about things that, in some cases, I've known these people like yourself for so long, and yet hadn't had that depth of conversation." And it's just a different sense of permission, but there's also a sense of mission, I feel, around just what you said, the people who have formed you and continue to form you, they deserve the best of us. And then that gets the flywheel going of reciprocity. And we're here to help each other. You know, I, I just feel I'm, I'm through the prove myself phase of my life, right? I'm done with the ego need to make sure it counted. Now, <laughs> now what I've earned the right to do is to facilitate the sharing of that learning in as thoughtful a way as I can do, whatever that means. And big, small, high impact, low, that's not my job to assess. My job is to be trusting of the impulse to to share the lessons and a huge part of that comes by reconnecting to the people who can remind me of what those lessons are and be wonderful channels to help bring it out like that's what this is to me and yeah. and, and that's why it's so important to do it and we don't need a podcast to use it as an excuse to reach out i think like that's the 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 takeaway right. is that you don't need to create a podcast. It is a wonderful benefit and offering, but for people listening, the invitation is to reach out now, to reach out where you are, you know, who comes to mind. When we reflect as we started with a podcast, David, and as you're reflecting on your godfather who passed just before his 100th birthday, if you didn't hear that beginning, you know, how he was so consistent with reaching out to you for every birthday and anniversary and how that small act of generosity, that act of kindness, that act of connection, at the end of the day, when we reflect those moments of genuine connection, you know, connection is not one sided. It never is like connection requires two parts to come together. And so that idea of like where where is that in our lives where we connect back to ourselves, right? Those parts that maybe feel disconnected, but in our lives, like who do we really want to connect to? And I love that point, like not from an ego standpoint of saying, I have to connect with all these people that I kind of forgot about or life went on. And, but who do you genuinely think of or who genuinely picks up the phone to call you or write you a letter? Like where are those connections that foster the growth now and the connection I think we all yearn for. I know I deeply yearn for that to be cared for. And that comes out in how I try and care for the ones I care about. Yeah, yeah, because I, I think my point about saying, you know, I, I don't wanna be on this 
just that time of life of being on the ego trip of I've got to, I have to, I have to figure it out. I have to make my mark. I have to do what I was born to do. You know, the, the beautiful gift of this time of life, call it 50, call it, I, I don't know, whatever, right, is is just the eye gets stripped away and you realize it was yeah. never just an eye. It was always a we. And like, and like now I'm like, I'm grasping back for like, wait a minute. The, what it's about is the people you got to do it with or the people who made it a little easier, the people who made sure twice a year at a minimum, they told you that they loved you. And, and, you know, it's like, Oh, that's what that was always the fuel that allowed me, you know, David Barry, the, the enterprise we'll call David Barry to do its thing was always being lifted up and fueled by that kind of generosity. And my job now in life, it feels like is to go back and say, where are they? Make sure I find them and, and um, a be grateful to them. And then, and then, and then find a way to pass that forward somehow, or pay that forward and be that for other people. Um, that, that feels like the work. And I feel so both convicted of it and, and truly a beginner at it, right. Truly like reframing the conversation about, uh, uh, from the eye to the to to the to that that sense of others or sense of offering, and I'm still trying to figure it out. Uh, yeah. But I, I like being in that place with because it, it's just got me so much more. It feels like it's just got me in a calmer, more focused place that I really, really like being in. Well, there's oh my gosh, there's so many which story thread to pull from all of that. One that I'd pull that I think is a common thread for the work all three of us do. And I'll put in a plug again for your incredible podcast, Becoming Better Men. And I think we want to talk a little bit about the story that you, of what, how you said, I'm going to, this is what I'm going to do next. But one of the things that I, I love that you said is, you know, I feel like I feel like it's very common to use the phrase people grew apart. We grew apart. We, you hear that a lot, but you, you seldom hear people acknowledge the opposite, which is growing together, growing closer. And I love what you just said about living through the, the last 18 months. And it's something I've done with, with some of my friends, my high school friends specifically, but, but, David, you're an example. And I know, Jen, you've been doing the same thing. In fact, we were talking about it this morning, like choosing the relationships you've invested in. And we give so we there's so much time spent on talking about, I feel like, in the ether, talking about how people grow apart, but much less about, well, actually, you can also intentionally grow together. And when I've reached out to people, my high school buddies have been doing a, a fairly regular Zoom, for example. It's so lovely to see people you haven't seen in 30 years and real and fall back right into it and feel the authentic connection. And and it's also it's practice for meeting people you've never met before and going deep right away and realizing, yeah, we don't have to talk about baseball or the weather. There's so many people yearning to talk about something deeper than that. And that practice of, well, well, how could we grow closer together instead of how will we just assume that we kind of part ways and I'll never see you again. And that's, you know, I just, that strikes me as something that's really worth, worth spending time on with, with some of the people in your life who are really special and yep. you wear that. 
Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. Can I just tell you a little bit of the origin story of the podcast? Please. You know, it was a, year, a little over a year ago and it was, I was approaching my 50th birthday. And so I was having a lot of very self-important self-reflection, right? You know, me, 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 what did this mean for me? What was I supposed to do now? How was I supposed to be? What, did, what was it all coming to? And, you know, all heightened by the uncertainties of the pandemic, the political realities of the moment, just all the stuff. And it was at a fever pitch for me. And I was just taking a lot of long walks to try to keep some sense of sanity and composure. And I was out on this walk and I, I'm, I'm listening to the, the, you know, the next podcast, the next news alert, the next whatever. And and I'm doing my, I'm about to be 50, what does it means thing? Well, I'm taking in all this information and I just stop and I just go, the world needs better men. None of this is gonna get better or fixed or dealt with well if we don't have better men. And, and there's a very specific reason for that language because as I was thinking about it, what I was bemoaning about myself was what I had not had in my life from the important men in my life. And I'm talking about this as a almost 50 year old man. And I find myself going back over the hurts and the misses and the losses of the key men, starting with my father, all of which I've worked on, all of which I've gone deep and, and, and really done a lot of healing work to re, you know, recover the parts of myself I needed to recover so I could go forward and not let that drag me back. But here I was again at this key turning point in my life, bemoaning all those losses. And I stopped myself. And essentially what I said was, I'm the one who needs to be the better man. What am, who am I becoming? And at 50 years old, I no longer... <laughs> I no longer get to bemoan that. What I have to do is use that energy to create new realities for other people who may, who may find themselves struggling to make sense of what their own path has meant. So instead of, it's like um, the, 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 the male archetypes, there's the prince archetype, which is, which is all about himself, very much the poor me, I didn't get what I needed and I'm fighting, fighting, fighting against the system. And then there's the kingly archetype that's got a lot more wisdom and a lot more sense of generosity who says, actually the way forward is to be of service to others. That's the, where the, the healing and the learning has to come from. I was like, I was like, oh my gosh, I have to do something with this. And I thought interviews and book writing and all of that. And that all just seemed too slow and onerous. And I thought, just let's have some conversations because if, if, if it's true, here's what's true. I know this is true and, and it, it's important. Men aren't going anywhere. And we know we need a more equitable, inclusive, plentiful world that includes everybody. We have to make space for everybody, but men aren't going anywhere. So men will remain in critical positions of power and authority and especially white men. And if, and if good things are gonna happen, they are going to have to learn how to make space for others, how to be more generous, how to be more mindful that a group of people who look like one another is probably not the best group of decision makers on, on the big, big things that we have to contend with in our world. So becoming a better man is about learning how to, to, to be more 
um, generous, of service, and open-hearted, wholehearted. And so what I thought of doing is just having conversations with men who I know who live like that and men who I get introduced to, who others believe live like that, who can be good teachers for those men and women who are curious about what it looks like to live a life of wholeheartedness and generosity and service to, to other people. And that was where that was where my heart and mind kind of came together into I have to act on this thing. I love it. What a beautiful story of insight that just came to you too when you were meandering around in a in a in a what I hear is in a seeking way. Yeah. You know, and from my own experience, I'm learning and done a ton of work on this, as you know. Like we can't we don't seek what we're not. We seek what we are. That's the that's the confusing thing. So when you have that yearning to want better men, you are that better man and claiming it and owning it, not in an ego way, but I love the coming to of what if I model this and who are the other models out there that are willing to explore what it might mean to deepen open heartedness, vulnerability, like, you know, working with others and if we just want to point to it's interesting the language of becoming better men because i think it it's a blend of, like we all whether we're male female whatever identity we associate with we have masculine and feminine energies within us all so as you're using the language of open heartedness and generosity and inclusivity a lot of times those have been associated with feminine energy right of the divine feminine that can be living, breathing, and in balance in a male identity. And I hear you speaking to that, like that coming into harmony, whatever your identity is, and you're speaking to and, 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 and having these wonderful conversations with men who are interested in coming into more balance with both sides. And I think that's what's on offer, that's what's emerging in the new paradigm is we've been so out of balance with power, with with the masculine, with hierarchical, you know, structures. And so it's so refreshing that I think I hear an, such an opportunity that's a man calling other men to the table too. It's saying like, come on, we we are we are equal parts in helping to find a better solution for our planet and for our people and the people we lead. So can we bring those different ways of being and learning and growing into more balance? It's just an interesting thing when you talk about masculine, feminine versus male, female, men, women. Yes, I, I know that I was and continue to seek uh, a deeper understanding of masculinity for myself. And that's the selfish part of being in these conversations is because the feminine has always been really familiar and comfortable for me. Three older sisters, a very, um, just a wonderful dynamic mother figure, just just that always made sense to me. So most of my best friends were, were, were women growing up. And, and the masculine I always thought was just, I never had that locker room comfortability. I never had that ease. And with 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 other guys in that very guy kind of way. I mean, you know, Jeff and I, you know, we connected around music and books and ideas, you know, and, and that's 
that's perfectly masculine, that's perfectly feminine, but it's not the archetypal ways that we we think about it. Um, and so for sure, I'm 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 seeking out a deeper understanding because I know there is one that's much more mature and inclusive of all of the dynamics that you were just naming. But we just we we've got to get better at, at being honest that all of that exists in us, that all of it is true. And and that's um, and just the, the 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 way that we polarize everything, much less you know, much less those those dynamics inside of us. Um, it's just so limiting. It, 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 it's it's just bereft of imagination and aliveness and possibility to say that it, it it looks and feels a certain way because that's what we've been trained and taught. And well, yeah. we have to do better than that. It's not enough. Yeah. I, I I love a couple of things that you're you're pointing to. You know, you were gracious enough to have me on the podcast a couple months ago, and it was a lot of fun. And we talked about one of my learnings from role models in my life is that being a man is not simply about masculinity. Like we went down this exact path. And one of the things I'm curious about that, that I'd love for you to riff a little bit or all of us to riff about is you've kind of pointed to two sides of a coin. And one is, you know, your previous story that you shared about just learning. It's not all about you, right? Learning that we're here to serve and, and teach and, and, be of help to others. And the other side of that coin that you're pointing to now is and knowing who you are, right? And and I, I feel like, Jen, that, that these two themes and how they work together are a real undercurrent in our work with conscious leaders of, you know, we we get clear on who we are, not because we're egotistical, <laughs> but it's it's a window into being more authentic so we can be of service and we are of service, not because we're lost and codependent and have no idea what we're about, but through service to others, we get clear on what's important to us. So I just, I think I'm seeing that those, both of those themes and what you're talking about. And, and I would love you to tell me if I'm hearing you right. And how did that yeah. like, that awakening to humility, was that also a catalyst to you saying, well, I need to do something too, right? This personal ownership. Well, hundred percent. When I was 35 years old, I started a new job and, and within a week of the job, my boss called me arrogant. And he called me arrogant because I was acting like I had to be the person who figured everything out that I was asked to do that because I was so afraid of failing that I overcompensated by trying to be all things to all people. And of course, was beginning to fail in just a few days. And over time, that evolved into some strong encouragement to get myself into, a, into seeing a therapist. Because what I was doing was acting out all of the, of the old un, uh, uh, unhealed parts of me that were so longing for wholeness and, and reconnection, but just hadn't gotten attention yet. When I started to do that, I could then forgive myself. I could then be empathetic with myself, which is the doorway we have to walk through to do that for other people. There is no uh, dying to self, <laughs> you know, limit, limiting the self and being of service to other people. If you, if you cannot be, if you don't get yourself 
healed, if you don't get yourself squared away, if you don't take a deep look and have the dark night of the soul, whatever you want to call it. And, and I am not going to say to anybody that that is a, an easy breezy rite of passage. That shit is hard. That's how, you know, it's really, really important and really, really good. And and I, I love this imagery we've been using a lot in the company recently. There's a door marked safety and there's a door marked freedom. And the door and the line at the door of safety is long. And the line at the door of freedom is short. And freedom equals knowledge of self, healing of old wounds, putting yourself together so that you can uh, be that for others and be a catalyst and facilitator of that kind of work in other people. And I don't mean that you have to be a coach, a therapist, a consultant to do it. My 99 and a half year old godfather did the simplest act twice a year <laughs> of reaching out. I mean, and, and, and maybe I'm a special case. That's all, you know, that those small acts were, were huge in my world. I don't think that's true. I think I think I'm not a special case. I think I'm a human being. And when another person takes time out of their day twice a year to acknowledge me, what it makes me think is, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it takes so little to do so much. Right? So we can get ourselves wrapped around the axle about all that it entails. But it's actually a lot of work to do the self-work. And then using that for the benefit of others actually doesn't take that much from us. And it, and it gives us, of course, more than we ever put out uh, uh, to make it happen. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm yelling. And <laughs> right on. Preach it. I'm so, <laughs> so believe this. I can't. Volume is up. Yeah. No, this is, this is where it's, it's juicy and it's hard when you live it, you know? And yeah. I think, I think the one thing, you know, I so share with similar, we all do just, we wouldn't be here talking today, doing what we do if we weren't committed to the path of personal growth and that journey of when it's about us and when it's in service of others and being used. My intention always is to be the legacy of light that I am and to bring and channel that for others so they can find their own light. You know, and that journey to do that is to find my own and not just realize that nobody can fill that light for us. Nobody can choose whether it's the freedom door or safety door for us. Nobody can fill the holes that we are acting out to satiate a need we never got from our parents or we never got from our upbringing. Like there's loss, there's real loss that many of us have experienced or trauma or challenges and hardship, loneliness, whatever it is. And oftentimes we fill those, you know, innate needs with somebody else or something else. And it could be a job, it could be a relationship, it could be whatever that is. And I think similarly, I'm really noticing about, you know, when I turn and look at myself when I get antsy or I get hard on myself or critical that I'm not doing enough or is am I living like am I making the impact my heart really wants to make and where is that coming from and my place in the world all of that um, I can tend to be quite you know type A and competitive with myself and so then that behavior comes out in certain 
certain needs to accomplish certain things or be productive or take on more and more and more. And what I'm learning is how, if I can, I just see that I don't even have to fix it. I can just see that that's running the show. Then how do I turn my attention inside to give myself what it is I'm yearning for? I notice in my friendships and some relationships that the, the way that they're satiating those holes is through other and it's just not sustainable, right? Because we then give all of our power away to a marriage, a relationship yeah. uh, that is fleeting and it will never satiate. That's the irony. It will never satiate because we have to be able to do that deep work. And it is fucking hard. It's the hardest work ever. But the free experience of freedom to know when choice points come, like big choices around, gosh, I mean, Pick the political scene, pick racial injustice, pick the whole conversation with vaccines. Every single choice point right now is an invitation to know who you are, to know where you stand, to know what works for you, and to be loyal to that. And I think that for me, David, as you're speaking, has just really been what the work is about so that when we coach, we're not pontificating. It's not hypothesized it's not, it's coming from a lived experience of empathy to say i really know where you're coming from because i've lived that for myself so how can we you know how can we help each other tune into the light that we are in my language that you know really resonates with me it may not resonate with everybody freedom freedom is the golden ticket you know and and if we if, if we talk about it through the lens, the very imperfect lens of personality for a second. So how I've, how I've experienced this is I'm a lifelong extrovert and I, I used my extroversion for most of my life to fill up the empty reservoir, right? Mm. Because I didn't have self-authorship yet to take care of that for myself. What I'm noticing now is I'm becoming, quote unquote, becoming an introvert. Well, I'm not becoming an introvert. It's just that I'm peaceful enough with myself yeah. that I can be with myself. That's what I mean by freedom. I don't need yeah, no, I don't 100%. need the outward expression to fill something up. Now what I can do, the, the freedom is I can use my extroversion to do things that are really gratifying and I hope beneficial, like teach or facilitate or speak or be on podcasts, right? Things that are fulfilling um because they're mine to do, not because I have to do them in order to validate my existence. And I, that, that is worth it. I mean, to, to, to feel that way. And the other thing I want to say is you, 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 <laughs> you said this a second ago, you have those moments when you get gripped, you get in your head, you get stuck every day. I'm wrestling with some way of, of I've either bitten the hook in the Pema Chodron language, you know, I bite the hook, I react, I tell my storytelling capacity is extraordinary. I get so in my head about, oh, what they must have meant or how this is going to play out or how I'm going to fight back. And I, and, and at least now, at least now, I'm never going to get rid of that. I'm resigned to that's okay. But at least now I can see it and I can choose another path. I have the yeah. option. I don't always choose another path. Sometimes I act like an idiot and make bad choices and get into fights and 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 or cower and 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 lack the courage I need to speak truth to a situation. But 
at least I know I have another choice and maybe next time I can do a little better. So that's the game we're playing. It's totally imperfect, but I'd rather have that the ability to make those choices and fail than not even be aware that the choice exists. Yeah, there's something, you know, I think um, I love I love what you're both saying. And I think, Jen, when we talk about it in the context of conscious leadership, we talk about being being at home with yourself, right? Being, knowing who you are and, and embracing who you are. And that's, that's where I was getting with this, this difference. It's, it's not a, it's not a balance between being selfless and selfish. It's, it's about having a sense of self and through that all kinds of service comes out. And I, I love what you're saying there about about that understanding and being comfortable. Um, I'd also, let me, let me, let me add one more dimension to this. So for about four years in service of our leadership retreat, which is called Lantern, we created a, our own leadership assessment. We, cause we had ideas and, and we're tired of using other people's, you know, tools. And four years on, we have about 5,000 people who've taken it. We use it mainly for Lantern. It's actually public. So if you're listening to this, you can find it on our website. But there's about 20 questions. And what's striking is, you know, the struggle that many people had being with with not only being locked down, but about not knowing what was going to happen. We could have totally forecast 15 months ago because of these 20 questions in you know, the sample of responses, which is now really significant, not to get mathy, but all the 19 questions most people track really, really closely together. There's one question that's, that people vastly report struggling with more than others to the, to, you know, the scores are entire standard deviation lower than every other question. And the question is, I am comfortable with uncertainty. It's striking how people who have even strong sense of self, very accomplished, you know, have gone through this work, still say they're incredibly uneasy with uncertainty. And it's it's such an interesting thing when you think about it, because it's all uncertainty. (laughs) The certainty is such a mirage. And yet we create these constructs in our life. Like even if we, I guess my point is, even if we think we've told ourselves we've walked through that door that says freedom and we are independent and we are entrepreneurs, man, often we're tricking ourselves and we're still playing this routine that's like, I control it all. And I've gotten to this place that I'm good with everything as long as it goes the way that I need it to go. And that I think, um, Jen, I'm going to actually throw this pitch over to you before we throw it to David. I think that is the massive opportunity we've all been presented with the year and a half we've lived through is allowing yourself not, not only to be, well, I'm, I'm 50 and I'm comfortable with that. I, you know, I, I, I love where I'm at and it's okay. I'm okay with that. But challenging yourself to go the step beyond that, which is, I actually am ready to say, I'm along for the ride on this. So I may as well enjoy it because honestly, none of us know. And we're, 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 
we might be playing to a script, but we're not writing the script. So I feel like that's a part of this self-awakening is not just the humility, but the respect for the universe to say, it doesn't happen the way I want it to happen. So all I can control is, is how I act to that. And like, so David, before we go to you, Jen, like I'm hearing the undercurrent there of like, of an awareness of that. And I wonder if that, any of that resonates with you. Yeah. I mean, of course, it all, we've talked about this for months and years. I think for me, what it points to is where are we placing our certainty? We're placing it in those results. And often we see we're living in a time where we're placing certainty outside of ourselves rather than placing the certainty inside that no matter what happens outside of myself, I'm going to be okay. Because I know, not only know myself, but it, as I look back, I see how protected I've been. I know myself in terms of how, how, what I'm capable of taking on and not. We get thrown when we're placing certainty outside. And then combine that with not really knowing who we are and what we need and how we're living out unmet needs oftentimes that we've just misplacing where our certainty lies. So for some, certainty comes in the form of faith, in, some, in the form of a higher God, a goodness, an energy, a force, Buddha, whatever it is. There's a faith that's outside of ourselves. It's also inside of ourselves that creates more of a way that we can navigate the changes that happen, that it's just part of life and it's going to speed up. So just because we're out of COVID, quote unquote, or coming back to normal, like look gang, whoever's listening, uncertainty is coming and it's coming in massive waves at a speed we have never seen yet because the universe is speeding up. We're literally speeding up. So I love the, the invitation really is to say, okay, how do I see, David, you mentioned a comment like in your riffing around your own process of seeing the narrative like you're catching yourself seeing catching yourself storytelling that's the first step to all of this it doesn't happen overnight but if we don't see our automatic behaviors or we don't see how we're making up bullshit like we're making up how we think people are thinking about us or all of the monkey mind that happens that is so normal when we are not seeing that for what it is, it's really hard to change. The moment we observe and witness that that's happening, and oh, I'm actually self-sabotaging right now. I don't even know that to be true, but man, I'm running with it, right? Whatever it is. Um, I think when we're able to see it, it invites us to look more within to our certainty. What can we be sure of within ourselves? to feel at home, Jeff, like, because that home comes with us wherever we end up going, right? Whether it's, we find a new job, a new relationship, like we're bringing home to all of it. And so that home has got to have a strong foundation and stability. And I think that's what's sad about the results, to be honest, is just the misplaced attention outside of ourselves, the misplaced with, with good innocence 
around thinking that we're only okay if we can control our environment or if it looks a certain way. And it's just not like we're living through the most nimble, agile, adaptive time in human history. So the only way we can adapt to outside is knowing that we're stable inside. So I'd love to hear your thoughts yeah, on no, that. David. I want to compliment that beautiful insight with a, with a very concrete example. So we are blessed to have a really big and beautiful backyard here in Southern California. And like many people over the last year, um, we've we've been close to home, so we've been investing in home. Um, we have uh, some big events coming up. We're hosting my mom's uh, birthday, uh, family reunion and birthday party later, later this summer. So we're sprucing up the patio and the yard. And, and we made a big purchase and the big purchase that to cover this last section of patio was this $600 multifunctional massive umbrella that you can get at Costco. Okay. <laughs> the thing is amazing. It's got solar panel on the top. So it lights up inside. You can swivel it any direction up, down. It's, it's, and it's humongous. Okay? <laughs> and I'm like, this is the perfect like we've finished, like we're clean and it looks beautiful. <laughs> Everything is perfect. Do you know what we actually bought? We bought a $600 bird shitting pole. <laughs> within, within days, I'm seeing them. I sit outside and have my coffee. I see them alight on top of a beautiful new structure. And I'm like, oh, cool, birds. And then I look down and the basement <laughs> is covered in crap. And I'm like, this is perfect because I always have this OCD uh, a design mindset. It has to be a certain way. And the cosmic joke is no matter how deliberately I create it, how much money I spend on it, whatever contraption you want to throw at it, there's a beautiful uh, a humiliation waiting. You know, and, and Richard, Richard Rohr uh, is one of my kind of heroes and, and favorite authors. And he says, I pray for one, at least one humiliation a day, <laughs> at least one. And that bird nest umbrella contraption is just every week or two. There I am, pail of water and a rag and I'm scraping it off. And by God, that's good for me. That is yeah. really, really good for me. Well, <laughs> great practice, great practice yeah. right? Great practice. Great practice. Yeah. And, you know, so so I'm going to engineer it back to your podcast. And Jen, you made a comment earlier about the intentionality of the words. And we've, we've talked a little about men and we've talked about getting better. And let's talk about the first word, which is becoming. Yeah. And that, that is such a lovely word. And that really is another common theme of this conversation and your work and our work is that we're always becoming, you know, we're always learning and growing. And even people who think they're shut off, by the way, to learning and growing are always becoming. They might not like what they're becoming. But I think for me, that's one of the things that feels so much easier at 51 than it felt at 31 is acknowledging that I'm a work in progress and getting and starting to love the work, right? It's starting to really notice like, oh, I got, you know, it's great to have a, 
a partner in Jen, like we, we help each other with that work. Oh, I just got triggered. Huh? What does that mean? Right. Wow. I woke up. I'm really anxious today. What does that mean? And, and being, being okay with the, with the blossoming, with the opening up. And I hear that in your story, Jen, I see that in our work all the time. And I just want, I want to highlight that because it's one of the things I, I like most about that title becoming better men is that, oh. You know, we don't arrive really. And and I I was so, I remember like being like two or three years into my therapy relationship and feeling so like self-congratulatory, like I'm doing the work, good for me. And then one day, I promise you, it was like, I I realized, I I remember this day, I remember this moment realizing the gift of this realization that, oh my gosh, I'm never going to be done. I remember thinking, I remember thinking, I'm like, because all the time I was like, oh, I'm going to figure it out. And that's so that's such a male thing for, you know, just in terms of broad strokes of gender, like dynamics, you know, men got us all of it, got to figure it out. And I'm so like that. I'm like, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to conquer this thing. And then I can move on. Like, oh, my gosh, I'm never going to be done. I'm only going to be um, uh, uh, a a sort of a passenger to my own, you know, to to, to my own ongoing experience. (laughs) Like, damn it. And then I remember thinking. Oh, there's a lot of freedom in that. that. That it's totally liberating because it takes the pressure off, and I can befriend myself again and be like, "Okay, good for you for staying in it, but just just stay in it, even if on some days it's just a toe, even if you can only put a toe in that water, at least you can do that and give yourself a pat on the back um, for doing that because that's the best we got sometimes, and that's and that's just fine. So yes, thank you for your kind comments about that that notion of becoming and boy, do I want to be more and more and more true to that, you know, as I go, because it feels like that's just, um, it's both, it's very, very liberating to, uh, to give yourself a break once in a while. And it's possibly the thread that attracted the three of us together. (laughs) Seriously. We all share that, that, you know, I love, we use the same language of just catching yourself when you are running that mode of wanting to figure it out. And, the permission of being messy. Like it doesn't mean like I'm all put together, but just sometimes like not having it figured out feels so calming. Like it, it's experimental. It means I can learn and grow more. And, you know, Jeff, you said at the last comment before David responded, but like, where are we, is there an arrival? I think that's the ego of like, there's actually a place to get to where there's, feels more like an emergence of coming into being, which is becoming like if you reverse the word, like how do we come into being ourselves coming into being? What does being me even mean wherever I show up? And I, that's the place I want to spend more time and give myself permission to play with and not be so hard on myself when it doesn't look a cer- certain way or the outcome wasn't what I thought I wanted or all of that. It just loosens the, the grip a bit and it gives more me more permission to play with the messiness. And it's not messy. That's not the word I want to use. But, you know, figuring it out, it kind of looks a certain way and it has kind of a package to it. It's a presentation and versus coming into being. Sometimes I'm catching myself around. I love what you said about intro, like being an extrovert and introvert. I'm really 
being more discretionary where I spend my time. And sometimes time is like slipping through that it's just elusive. And Jeff and I will be like, how did it get to be three o'clock? We just came in and watching the kids seeing Riley last night. I'm like, you grew like you literally grew again last night in your sleep. So that time feels like it's just very elusive and quickening. And yet when I settle and just into being me wherever I show up, I notice my where I want to spend that time is changing and it feels more coming back into rather than trying to do so many things. Yeah. Nice. Well, to be continued, there's so many threads. And- got to have you back. We say this oh. with, at the end of every episode, but well, we got to yeah, have you back. I, I was like, I, I, I was about to launch into a whole another riff on like integration of self. And I was like, you know what? That's like, <laughs> <laughs> that's another thing on my mind a lot. So that could be a fun continuation conversation for sure. Well, we never have a lack of subjects and connection points. Well, to- I told Jeff when I listened to one of your episodes like a month or two ago, I was out on a walk and, and it was so fun to hear your voices and the energy and your guest was great. And, and, um, and I called Jeff right afterwards and I was dying laughing. So I'm like, how in the world are the three of us going to have an hour long conversation? <laughs> I said, can, just- I, can I start like um, lobbying for extra time already? <laughs> how do we do that? Is we're it- just going to do multiple. That's how we're going to do it. Yeah. Well, let's, let's have you back on for now. So we're going to, we're going to pause for now. We're going to remind people that they can catch up with you and what you're doing at Becoming Better Men, which you can find on Spotify or Apple. Also check out Municipal. There's so much to say about a company that would sponsor a podcast like Becoming Better Men. And um, that's not the only cool thing about Municipal. They have great gear. So check them out and what they're doing and also have an interesting story of who's backing them too, which is fun. So I'll, I'll leave it to the listeners to find that out. But that's probably the it from my side of the Zoom world, Jen. I'll leave you the last word, but David, man, great to see you. And thanks for being here. You're welcome. Thank you. I think just um, maybe where we started the conversation was around, you know, the consistent, how consistency plays a role in shaping who we are today and those relationships that matter and would say that I so appreciate how we're able to pick up where we left off and how much we've grown not apart but together I've always respected you so deeply and I love how the three of us share such a common bond that not only is really meaningful to my own heart but hopefully the listeners were able to be touched by it too so Lots more to continue. I'm happy our paths crossed again. So, Jennifer, thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in. Join the conversation and learn more at www.plentyconsulting.com.